Hello, my name is Pete. This is Social Distance. So what a week it's been. Um, so where do we begin? Well, there's only one story in town. These extraordinary events in Washington, D.C., the storming of the Capitol by uh, what is being described widely as domestic terrorists. There is no other description fitting, although the UK media are calling them, you know, rioters. They're far more than fucking rioters. Um, Five people dead, two explosive devices found, and, uh, you know, a couple of things to talk about in this story that everyone is talking about. Um, So, from a race relations point of view, a couple of Rubicons were crossed on Wednesday, and it's going to be very difficult for the US to make much progress in the next couple of years. Uh, It's terrifying and scary. Um, So, welcome to the show. (laughs) First first of all, though, just fucking calm down, will you, pal? First of all, have you taken your Christmas tree yet down? Have you taken your Christmas tree yet down? I'm looking at the baubles now. Now, um, okay, we're going to look at the Trump thing, obviously, yeah? And I, I do think it was a really good idea just to go down to one show a week. Yeah, not much fucking going on, is there? Uh, and the, when then we're going to talk about the situation with COVID, you know, because that hasn't gone away, is it? No, in fact, it's worse now more than ever in the UK and in the United States. And so we're going to look at that. And then we're going to end the show with... A little discussion about Lost. It is going to be full of spoilers, but I'll probably remind you that about that. But if I don't remind you about that, I'm going to put it after the outro. There's going to be a little pause, and then I'll talk about it. And I'll say certainly at the beginning of the uh, Lost spoiler section that the spoilers in it. So if you're interested in Lost, then stick around. But that's for later. First of all, we've got to talk about this. 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 I mean, you know, words fail you. Let's just go over to your man, Joe Scarborough, who is on a morning show here. This is, it's called Morning Joe. Yeah. Clever that, isn't it? And um, he was fucking upset. Listen to this. Oh, not for children, by the way. Although I just did, did say fucking. But uh, listen to this. If these insurrectionists were black, they would have been shot in the face. And my God, if these insurrectionists were Muslim... They would have been sniped from the top of buildings. So I want to know from the Capitol Hill police, what, what, what is it? Is it just white people or is it Donald Trump supporters? Why do you scream at people for walking across the street three blocks away from the Capitol? Why are you known as badasses around the Capitol? But then Trump supporters come in and you open the fucking doors for them. You open the doors for them and let them breach the people's house. What is wrong with you? Lots of people have been pointing out the difference between, you know, a predominantly white crowd um, protesting, even if they, I mean, it's incredible that it happened. And I have a feeling that it can't just be sloppy you know, police and the guy is saying the the guy who weirdly thought he could hang on to his fucking job, Christ Almighty! But he was out in a couple of hours after Nancy Pelosi said, "No, no, you're fucking off," 
and he duly fucked off the chief of police for fucking DC. Uh, I think it was like the Capitol Police. Apparently, there's loads of different police um, services, but they knew that it was going to happen. I mean, fucking Trump himself spoke at the rally. Do you know what I mean? So there is no excuse. And I actually think that they were given, I don't know, I mean, who knows? And I don't want to uh, be the last thing I want to do is to besmirch the name of Donald Trump on this podcast. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever that at some point uh, in the kind of higher chains, the higher echelons, somebody spoke to someone and said, you know, let's just make sure that we don't go out all crazy on these guys because they do love Trump and therefore Trump loves them. You know, I mean, he fucking said that in that bat, bat shit video before the hostage video he did yesterday. He looked so uncomfortable. And I really want to know. I wonder if, I mean, it's probably been burnt now. But imagine the raw footage because they cut away. Did you notice in the, in the video where he, you know, came around to conceding probably as much as he ever will do. And he was clearly put under a lot of pressure by his aide saying, you're going to be impeached, motherfucker. Like, fucking do something, you know? Probably don't speak to Trump like that. But um, eventually he did this, you know, uh, uh, just reading from the teleprompter speech. He looked incredibly uncomfortable. But halfway through, it's only like two minutes long, halfway through, they cut away. And they they go to another, uh, you know, another edit, basically. And I think, oh, that's interesting. Maybe he just kind of couldn't do it all in one go, you know? He, like, had a fucking hissy fit. And they said, no, 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 you have to do it. Like, honestly, honestly, we know about politics more than you, you fucking con artist. Do it. But the scam continues, you know, these fucking idiot racists. They're just being scammed by Trump. It's all a grift. Remember that with Trump. It's all a grift. And he's tried to get, like, fucking eke out as much money from these racist as possible and now uh, he's on to his next grift you know whatever what was how did he end it like oh we're gonna you know dance off into the fucking sunset like Morecambe and Wise me and a bunch of fucking racists yay so but the video before that he said that he loved them so I do wonder whether some you know higher echelons of the kind of command centers of the um police in Washington DC were told just take it easy right this isn't black lives matter for fuck's sake you know these are our people and of course we do know the links between the police and um, white supremacists we know the reports have been written we know this there's been an you could say an infiltration this is what the reports say an infiltration uh, by white supremacists and militia members into police, um, you know, uh, police, what are they called? Police groups, police um, departments, no, that's it. Police departments all across the United States, and not only the United States as well. I spoke, what was it, a couple of episodes ago, or maybe it was even last episode about the fucking racist cops in Britain, you know what I mean? And by on, on that, by the way, like, you know, there's not enough fucking paper in existence to start writing down the racist crimes that Britain has done, okay? We're not talking about that today. So, and also, for a British audience, to get your head around the severity of the situation, yeah? You've really got to think that what was happening on that day. Well, first of all, quite a lot of my mates and me 
we were watching CNN because we were following the results coming out of Georgia. Okay, fantastic news. Now, Ossoff won, and we knew that Warnock could won already. Okay, so two senators, one's a Jewish journalist, Ossoff, and Warnock obviously is a black uh, reverend. Now, Warnock, the two Democratic senators, they give the uh, the Senate control to the Democratic Party because it's 50 and 50, but the deciding vote goes to the President of the Senate, who is the Vice President, who is going to be, in a couple of days' time, 12 days' time, is going to be uh, Kamala Harris. So that is fantastic. And we were celebrating this fantastic news. Now, on Warlock, Warnock, yeah? And this is why it's really, you have to fucking get this into your head, okay? Remember this. Warnock, there has been in the history of the Senate, 1,991 senators, okay? Warnock is number 1,992. He's a black person, a black man. He is the 11th black senator in the whole history of the Senate, the 11th of 1,000, he'll be the 1,992nd and he'll be the 11th black senator. So, you know, that is the kind of historical importance and the significance of his win. And it came from Georgia, which was one of the original Confederate states, uh, a state with, you know, uh, an appalling racist history and kind of current racism and you know thank fuck like it's it's incredible the work of the democratic party they got a hundred thousand more voters out this election the election just a couple of days ago than the november election it's unbelievable like it, the work that they put in to getting the votes out so fantastic work and it is like Genuinely game-changing, yep, genuinely game-changing that for the first time in six years the uh, Democrats have got the Senate and for the first time in a long time they're in control of the three branches of government and hopefully, we never know, but there is going to be pressure from the left flank of the Democratic Party and I, my own feeling is that, you know, fucking Joe Biden is like, Christ almighty, we really need to, you know, redress the bullshit of the last four years in a massive way. And my own feeling is he realizes he's an old man. He's probably going to be handing over to, uh, you know, Kamala Harris is probably going to be the, um, the nominee and hopefully the next president in four years time. And I've got a feeling he'll think, oh, fucking let's just, you know, go um, all out, you know, hit the fucking thing the accelerator all the way to the floor <laughs> that's probably a better way of putting that but you know what i mean hopefully he's going to go all out and just do as much as he can in four years time of course everything could change not everything but some things could change in two years um but anyway so so we've got the this uh this day kind of you know day of celebration essentially we knew that the fucking, you know, Trump was going to say his bullshit. Now, before Trump spoke, fucking Donald Trump Jr. spoke and he revved up the crowd. That old, cranky old, sleazy, fuckwit Rudy Giuliani spoke. 
and he said something like properly incendiary. He called for trial by combat. And then fucking Trump comes along saying, you know, you're only going to get your country back if you're strong. And we're going to uh, march on, on you know, this uh, capital. And they did march on the capital. You know the story, okay? Now, for a British audience, uh, it is as if... So, because what were they, they were doing in the capital is the two, uh, you know, houses met. So the House of Representatives and the Senate, they meet, they never meet, you know, but they meet for this thing that they do once every four years, whereby they verify the votes from the states. It's a, uh, like a moment in American history, like every four years, the electoral system, whereby you kind of get to realize, okay, this is happening, okay? This is happening. Now, the closest thing I can think of in terms of British uh, electoral process, which by the way is much better, because in Britain, you have the election on a Thursday, you find out the result on a Friday morning. I mean, this is usually, you know, find out the result on a Friday morning. The guy goes to fucking, and it usually is a guy, goes to fucking Houses of Parliament, uh, goes to the Buckingham Palace, sorry, says to the Queen, oh, I lost, new guy's coming, see you later. <laughs> uh, jumps in the car, fuck off, you know, to David Cameron to your shed to write your book or whatever you're doing and then the new guy jumps in yeah and goes to the queen and says uh well it looks like mom i've won an election <laughs> is it okay if i form a government because this is the thing they have to do fucking insane and the queen says yes yes you can absolutely did you know that churchill was my first i fucking know that and then they go off and that's it, right? And then they drive back to Downing Street, say, I've won an election and we're going to be really good to all the poor people and all the black people. We're the ones that are going to be really good for all you guys. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, apart from if you're Boris Johnson, you don't say that. You say you're going to be really good to all the poor people and all the white people and all the black people. And go fuck themselves. That's what he said. It's quite controversial when he said that, but he did say that. That's absolutely he did say that. So, what happened with the domestic terrorists storming the Capitol whilst the uh, House members and the Congress, uh, the, sorry, the, um, the senators were meeting and verifying the votes, like ratifying the votes from all the states, uh, that is akin to that moment when the driver is... Uh, driving the car of the with the winner of the British election in the back, the driver is driving on his way to Buckingham Palace, okay? And the car is rammed by somebody that has just been to a rally held by the losing candidate, the guy that wanted to be prime minister or was prime minister, wanted to continue, but he's no longer going to be prime minister because... He's just fucking lost the election, yeah? And he's just on a rally that the driver of the car that's rammed the car that's uh, got the new guy in it, yeah? You keep it up? <laughs> the, the, so that guy was at the rally uh, that the old prime minister was uh, holding and it was live on TV and he was saying incendiary things, right? What, so that happened, right? The fucking car was like smashed off the road 
everyone, like, nobody died. It wasn't like Diana in the tunnel, okay? But pretty nasty, even, and, like, really shocking. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but also, at the same time, an angry mob of, like, racists and fucking mental case, queuing on just mental people, um, stormed the House of Parliament and just fucking ransacked the Houses of Parliament and five people died, including a cop uh, who apparently, a police officer, was um, beaten over the fucking head. So he was probably like the Serpico guy, you know? The guy that wouldn't go along with all the racist bullshit in the fucking police department. So anyway, so that that's, gives you a bit of an idea of... if Imagine that that had happened in Britain. You'd be like, fucking hell... So it gives you a bit of an idea. So now, why is it, uh, why, why does it have these kind of huge repercussions in terms of race relations? Well, what, the one image for me, there's a couple of images going around, including Jamiroquai there. There's a little comeback, yeah, lovely. Um, the one image which is really quite, uh, actually quite shocking, is the image of the Confederate flag being like in the, in the Capitol building, in the Capitol. That's never happened before in the history of the United States. The Confederate flag, right? A little fucking history lesson here. The Confederate States, originally 11 states that broke off from the rest of the states in America because they wanted to keep slavery going, okay? They thought slavery was such a good fucking idea, such a nice little moneymaker for them, that they wanted to keep it going. And they succeeded from the rest of the, they broke off from the rest of the United States, okay? And then they had a fucking war. Yep, the American Civil War, and thank fuck, you know, those guys, there was just a shit show down in the, um, in the Confederated States of America, as it was known, a, like a total shit show. And, you know, they lost, thank fuck. Uh, but this image of the, the, the so that flag was actually the kind of you know recognizable as we know the Confederate flag now um, that used to be a battle flag okay like literally a flag for a battalion of army people from the Confederate army um, and they would like take that onto the battlefield with them that flag it was a battle flag it then became kind of popularized post-World War II, when um, Truman tried to get through some civil rights laws and he was uh, kind of, you know, like stymied in this effort by a bunch of racist Democrats in the South, okay? And then they took that flag and uh, kind of, if you like, that's our kind of notion, our modern notion of the Confederate flag. So that is the enemy's flag, right? That is the the losing side of the American Civil War's flag. That does not belong in the Capitol, and to see it in the Capitol is not good. And obviously now, that flag has been appropriated by white supremacist, racist groups in the United States, like, obviously, yeah? Uh, maybe it isn't obvious, but that is what that flag represents, okay? And to see that, I mean, it's basically like, you know, having well, the National Front or maybe even a swastika flag being waved in uh, the Houses of Parliament, okay? 
So it's, you know what I mean? Like, I know that it's a flag and it's symbolism and you could argue, well, there's nothing more than that, but obviously it always is more than that because a symbol is a symbol because it means something, okay? And that really, really does mean something. This uh, act of somebody breaking in, actually breaking in quite easily because they were all just basically let in, not fully, you know, there were some cops and obviously the kind of security detail around the senators and the the kind of uh, members, the representatives in the House were kind of on it, you know, looking after the, the politicians. But in terms of the the cops in the street, I wouldn't be too surprised if they were given an order on high to just like, you know, no, no, we don't need right gear for this. You know, no, 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 we've got to be you know, gently, gently, softly, softly, because after all, these are our people, you know? And there's a, probably a good old bunch of those fucking cops that politically align with that group of, you know, domestic terrorists uh, closer than, you know, we'd like to think, yeah? I mean, after all, the police union was the only fucking union that um, supported Donald Trump, Okay. So, you know, a terrifying and scary moment. I wouldn't be too surprised if in the investigation of this, we do see that there was something going on. Like, you know, they called in the National Guard. There there is a, if you like, a a logic. I suppose the mayor would say there is a logic to waiting for curfew before you very gently, that literally they were holding the hands of the domestic terrorists, like these old women, these fucking, seems to be really kind of macho men, either really macho men in their 20s, or like really haggard looking hippie dudes, or when I say hippie dudes, I just mean like men with beards, or old ladies, like weird. I don't know, are they the MAGA people or the QAnon people or? What's going on with, like, loads and loads of old ladies? Anyway, the old ladies were fucking, oh, you take my hand, my darling, you know, and fucking walking down the steps with the old ladies, like, not arresting them, you know? Incredible. So, and what's going to happen with Trump? Well, we don't know. I mean, I don't think that the timing works out in terms of uh, impeachment or a 25th Amendment. Um, I mean, in a way, it kind of feels like, what should happen is that he should be arrested, obviously. That's what Joe Scarborough said. And Mika, his partner and co-host, immediately said, well, that's not going to happen. And of course, she's right, you know. But if... I I just can't understand it, because it was clear... um, Well, it was being a traitor, you know. You couldn't get a more... a clearer version of treason if you tried. Just give me a treason, as he said, you know. He didn't say that. (laughs) Would have been good, though, if he had, huh? Yeah. So, um, horrible and gruesome and, uh, you know, all of the words which are bad are associated to this event. There's a lot of work to go. I'm happy that, you know, the future of the United States hopefully is going to be a a bit better than the past. And all of those people that say... Oh, you know, there's going to be a fucking civil war or whatever. There isn't going to be a civil war. The worst that's going to happen, or maybe the best that's going to happen, is that 
uh, Trump and his bunch of, you know, far right, insane people break away from the uh, Republican Party and the Republican Party becomes a bit more like the Republican Party of, uh, you know, Lincoln, you know, which is very far away from that at the moment. But that is the that is the kind of like in terms of the political schisms, that might be uh, the case. 45%, according to an opinion poll of Republican um, voters, I mean, it's just one opinion poll, but 45% say that the people were right to um, storm uh, the capital. Well, okay, so that's fine. So half of them, I mean, you wouldn't, I'm not that surprised that half of the Republican pie are a bunch of fucking racists. I mean, you've got to be pretty hardcore to be a Republican these days, a Trump Republican. And when I talk about the Republican Party uh, splitting, I'm not talking about the Republican Party as it is now, because it's massively diminished over the last four years. And many, many, many Republicans hate Trump and have left the party. I've spoken about this in the past, you know, in the lead up to the election. So, you know, I'm not surprised at all that 45% of people that call themselves after all of the shit that Trump has done, you know what I mean? The blood on his hands, the dead children, the multiple rapes, you know, we knew about that years ago and still he got 74 million votes. Do you know what I mean? And of course, that's why some of these uh, politicians unbelievably are still sticking by him because they think... Well, they might be psychos, but at least there's lots of them, you know, and I quite like the idea. And obviously there's only been one person in the history of American politics to get more than 74 million votes. And thank fuck it was Joe Biden with 81 million votes. Thank fuck, you know, and thank fuck uh, Trump lost. So cases are growing in the southwest here of the UK between 2% and 8% a day with an R of 1.1 to 1.5. England overall is 1.1 to 1.4 and the UK overall is 1.0 to 1.4. So the southwest is growing at at a higher rate than most places. Uh, That is from a low um, you know, uh, relatively low, relative to other places, low beginning, but obviously relative to how it has been here in the southwest, it's never been worse, it's never been higher, and we don't have the hospital capacity as places with big uh, population hubs, also known as cities. And talking about cities, uh, arguably the greatest city of them all, London, Um, The mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, has declared a major incident in London, um, an effective emergency in the city, as it grapples with soaring cases, um, hospitals struggling to cope with an influx of patients. 800 patients a day. These are COVID patients. 800 a day in London. 800, there's a big flagship hospital called St Thomas's, which is on the Thames, just opposite Parliament, actually. Um, And, you know, it's a big fucking place. It's got 800 fucking beds in it, do you know what I mean? But that's, uh, 
You've done the maths, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, if you're into numbers, you'll have lost, by the way. Yeah. Did I say about 11? Yeah, I did, didn't I? Yeah. Um, what about 11? Yeah, that thing. That the um, uh, Warnock is the 11th black senator. Now, there was a 12th who won a race for the Senate, but he wasn't, he was denied entry into the Senate because he was black. Um, that was quite a while ago. Uh, anyway, yeah, so 800, if you've got a fucking hospital as big as St Thomas, you know, 800 beds, pretty big, but all of the beds are going to be taken up by St Thomas's uh, every single day. So no wonder that they've declared a major incident. Uh, you know, I mean, that fucking... They finally are... They can't afford, or they can't find the staff, because it's about a quarter of the staff in the NHS are off sick, yeah? Obviously, hundreds of thousands of people are off sick through either having COVID or through stress. So they can't find the, the staff, the kind of very qualified nursing staff, to assist COVID people in... Um, you know, the, the 800 influx every day in London coming into the hospitals uh, for the Excel, um, what's it called? The Nightingale Hospital. But they are opening the Nightingales and basically they're going to be shifting people around. So people with other things or people that are recovering from COVID-19 and don't need that specialist ICU, um, you know, support. But we, I mean, it's just going to go up. You look at the numbers. We're looking at now the uh, impact of Christmas just now in the last couple of days. Yesterday, it was over a thousand deaths. And we've got three weeks, basically, of that. At least three weeks of that. Maybe not a thousand every day, but we've got three weeks before the, uh, the lag following the massive spike of infections because of Christmas and New Year, yeah? Um, and also, any kind of effect um, of the national lockdown that started at the beginning of this week, started on Monday, yeah? So, you, you know, we've got three weeks, at least three weeks of very bad news. We're still not too sure about the data because still we're not over the Christmas lag in terms of, you know, people not going to get tests as they normally would because they're, you know, uh, not, people aren't open and all the rest of it. All of the kind of slowdown that happens on bank holidays and Christmas weekends and Christmas Day, uh, you know, it's still kind of, we're not out of that lag yet. Uh, in the United States, over 4,000 people died uh, in the last reporting today, I think, or yesterday. Um so it's, you know, unbelievable. That fucking motherfucker is doing his racist fucking speeches whilst, I mean, talk about, you know, getting your eye off the ball for fuck's sake. Unbelievable. Um, now, it does mean that this new variant is climbing everywhere. It's in London, in the southeast, in massive numbers, in the east of England, in massive numbers, but it's everywhere in Britain, okay? It's fucking popping up everywhere in the world, you know? Uh, and it does mean that we need to be more careful than we've ever been, right? I don't. I would not be surprised that in a couple of weeks' time they say, oh, no, 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 we really need to be strict on two metres and actually make it two and a half, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if they start to say, you know, 
you've you've got to put a mask on when you're outside walking down the street. I wouldn't be surprised if they start to toughen up uh, because we do know that this we are in a lockdown, but there are more people out and about than in the March lockdown. Why is that? Well, partly it's because people are not taking it as seriously as they did in March because people are complacent, but mainly because uh, nurseries are open and nurseries have to be open because there's so many people in, in a uh, NHS where so many uh, people are cut out of working because they're either too ill because of COVID or stress, they can't come in. Uh, a massive number of NHS workers rely on nurseries being open so they can get to work, yeah? If nurseries aren't open and they've got their toddler uh, at home, obviously they can't go to work, okay? So that's why nurseries are open. And also, what they're calling key workers has changed as well. There's a whole swathe of of, uh, employees that they've called key workers. So more and more people, there's this stay-at-home order and work from home if you can, but more and more people of finding out, oh, I'm a key worker, I'm a key worker, I'm a key worker, so I can fucking do it, I can go to work, I can go to work, you know? And of course, that stay at home if you can, uh, sorry, work from home if you can, well, you know, that's fine, but it's just if you can, do you know what I mean? It's on you as to whether you work from home or not. And so in this kind of general sense of complacency that I think there is around, far more than much, like obviously, you know, that kind of just adds to this sense of, well, it's actually, we don't need to be that strict. And there's always going to be that thing that people have. And we can't forget this, right? You are not susceptible to it, okay? Even when you've had the fucking vaccine, you're not susceptible to it. We're getting reports, obviously. There's only, like, it doesn't make you invincible. It doesn't mean you're not going to get COVID-19. It means that there's a very good chance that you're not going to get it as bad as you wouldn't get it if you didn't have the vaccine. There's a very good chance that you're not going to be hospitalized, but we don't know. It might be that you're one of the, you know, good percentage of people, 30%, at least 30% on your first dose, three weeks after your first dose, where it's not, you know, on, or it's not working for you. Because if you like 70% immune generally, then of course there's a whole bunch of people where it's not going to, you know, it's not 100% working for everyone, yeah? So, you know, we have to be circumspect and none of us, as far as I know, unless I've got a bunch of fucking eight-year-olds somewhere listen to this, you know, lucky eight-year-olds, and you probably are being uh, careful, you know? But we need to really think, uh, expect everybody that you meet has it. Don't fucking meet anyone. I'm talking about people walking by you in the street. If you go out into the streets, yeah, just imagine everyone has it. We have to think this way. Everybody has it, right? Get away from people. Two meters isn't enough. Make sure you're wearing your mask if it's a busy place. If you're outside and it's a, you know, it looks like there's a good few people on the high street or whatever, put your fucking mask on and stay away from people, okay? Putting a mask on, and as well as if it's a good mask, the quality of the mask matters here, yeah? And obviously how you wear the mask, I mean, this is basic shit here, but it matters, you know. Um, all of that stuff matters in terms of the uh, the dose, yep. The load, the viral load. Um, and we have to go back to basics, as John Major would say, yeah. 
but you would, would also say, Gore, that bloody woman. What was her name? <laughs> that horrible fucking right wing imbecile that he that he uh, had an affair with. Oh, I don't know. You're probably shouting at your radios, aren't you? With the answer, yes. Anyway, please be careful. Poor Choice asks, if you could engineer your very own strain of COVID, what powers would it have? And the obvious answer is the power of only killing people that think COVID doesn't exist. Um, but I think probably it would be good to give people the the ability to... Is it... Um, what's that thing where you can kind of like manipulate objects? It's not telekinesis, is it? No, that's mind reading, isn't it? You know, like, you know, when you're like really, you know, you need to kind of get the comb or whatever. And it's like, you know, on the table and you can't be bothered to get up. That thing, like, I want that more now than any other point. I don't, not particularly a comb, but you know what I mean when I say comb. Let's think of something that I use every day. Uh... Uh, super glue. <laughs> if I'm looking for the super glue, right? And like, and I can't bother to get up. Fucking, like a kind of Jedi, you know, you think. But the Jedis, man, I mean, even you know, like all of them, all the good ones, Luke and Ray and all the good ones, it seems that it's quite an effort to just get the bloody lightsaber. Do you know what I mean? Like, get a lightsaber out of the snow. When you do it, let's have a fucking party. Like, it should be snip, snop, snip, snop, strip. Like, a lot better example is the power that uh, Mary Poppins has. I mean, that would be very good, you know, with a small child in the house. The ability to clean up with a click of the fingers, you know, and all the toys just march off into the, like, fucking basket where they all live on their own. Oh, God, I would love that poor choice. I would love it, So there is episode 205. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please do email in like poor choice. Now, oh, by the way, Trump is saying he's not going into the, um, do the uh, inauguration. There's rumour he's going to be in Scotland, but Sturgeon said he's not going to come in to play golf. Hey, you can fuck that right now. Let's think of the koala. Congratulations, Australia, on getting on top of this shit. Better than a lot of other places. So, beautiful creatures. One, two, three. Walk between the raindrops. Take care of yourselves. Next show, next Friday. Next show, next Friday. Please do everything you can to take care. And have a lovely weekend. See ya! So season one, Lost, this is uh, 
uh, a description of the first season of Lost. And I'm going to do this season by season. So there's only going to be six of these. Uh, it's not going to be long, but it is going to be spoilers from the very beginning. So if you're looking to watch Lost, which is available in the UK on Amazon Prime, there are all of the six seasons, then you maybe watch it and then listen. If you don't care about Lost, then turn off now. If you don't care about Lost, but you do want to listen for the, you know, Lost jokes, Lost references, then uh, I'll just get on with it, shall I? So Lost is an ABC production. Uh, when did it come out? 2004 or something like that? I don't know, something like that. And like mid-2000s. And it was interesting for its casting. It cast a British, a London actor called Naveen Andrews as a, an Iraqi Republican guard uh, called Saeed, who is a very important, integral uh, character in the show it also has a black actor in it who was brilliant who's in um baz lerman's uh, romeo and juliet the guy that plays michael um he was mercutio in that who's a brilliant role and he's really brilliant in that um romeo and juliet the one with um what's his name leonardo dicaprio and claire danes yeah he's fantastic in that and he's also really good in lost so there was a kind of you know at the time it was seen as a bit of a you know, oh, look, they've they've cast, I mean, you know, now it's like there's a lot of very beautiful white people on the screen for quite a long time. John Locke is, uh, what's it, Terry O'Quinn, yeah? He's quite an interesting guy. John Locke is a very interesting character. And he's like this kind of, what is he, like mid-50s bald man, quite kind of, he's like a fucking Yorkshireman, basically, but he's not, he's from America, N.A., and they're all, but quite a lot of them are kind of like amazingly beautiful. Oh, and also Hurley, of course. Hurley, who's a Latino actor who is basically morbidly obese. Like, that's the kind of the thing about him. <laughs> and it's amazing, like, even into season two, they're still just making fat jokes all the time with Hurley, which in a way, I don't think you, they would do that you know, now, like 10, 10 years later, 10, 15 years later from the beginning of the show. Um, but anyway, at the time it was seen as, you know, oh, look, that's interesting. It's not all, it's not 100% beautiful white people. Um, but, you know, having said that, uh, the West Wing, you know, had... any Anyway, anyway, from a kind of, you know, diversity point of view, it didn't do an amazingly brilliant job, but also it wasn't terrible. Uh, the reason why I like Lost and the reason why I come back to it and the reason it's in my top five shows of ever, shows of ever, is because of the weirdness of it. And, and it genuinely is weird for a mainstream, um, you know, like a, a network channel uh, program. OK, it's an ABC program. Right. So we're not talking HBO here. We're not talking uh, The Sopranos. Do you know what I mean? We're talking, uh, well... ABC, okay? We're talking mainstream, we're talking 8pm on Wednesday night or whenever, Thursday night, whenever it was, or Sunday night, whenever, I don't know when it was fucking shown, or what time. But we're talking like mainstream TV, and for mainstream TV to go to the places where Lost went, I think was brilliant, like absolutely brilliant. It's flawed, and I'll talk about the flaws, but also we need to talk about the brilliance of it, the absolute brilliance of Lost. So it begins with this, essentially it's a story of 
They're a bunch of people on an aeroplane from Sydney to Los Angeles and the plane crashes. And the plane doesn't just crash, it goes through like intense turbulence um, that's seen in the uh, pilot episode, the first, the, mo- the most expensive pilot in TV history when it was shot. And, um, you know, so the plane kind of breaks in half, or it breaks in three parts. The cockpit flies off, goes somewhere, the middle bit flies off, and the tail flies off. They all go to different parts of this mysterious island in the middle of, somewhere in the middle of the South Pacific. Nobody knows where. And the pilot, uh, who kind of like in his death throes, basically, says, spoiler alert, says, um, we were way off course, like something happened to the plane. Basically, we were way off course. We tried to turn around and go back to, I don't know, somewhere, he says somewhere, like New Zealand or somewhere. But, like, we were way off course, a thousand miles off course. If they're looking for us, they're looking for us in the wrong place. And so the people, the the survivors, know this. And, and we follow the middle section of the plane. There's about 47 people, I think, something like that. But probably a cast of 15 or so, roughly 15, that we follow. Jack is the leader of this pack. He's this doctor, kind of like all American hero. Very good looking guy. Sawyer is the bad guy. Very, He's even better looking. Josh Holloway, fucking gorgeous man. And then, uh, what's her name, Kate, who's played by Evangeline Lilly, who's probably the most successful post-lost uh, actor. And she has got her own kind of career, you know, in the Marvel movies as the Wasp and various other things. She was in that fucking fantasy bollocks, what's it called, The Hobbit? Or one of them. One of the, that one that fucking bollocks. By that fucking J.R.R. Hart, they wrote it. And, uh, you know, a couple of other people in there that are all talking about uh, fantasy bollocks. Pippin is in it. Is that his name? <laughs> that um, British dude? Uh, I fucking can't remember his name. But anyway, he plays this guy called Charlie. And uh, he's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, the structure after the pilot, the structure is that every episode, about roughly about, I don't know, like half, roughly half of the episode is dedicated to one of these 15 or so characters, okay? Like the backstory of these 15 characters. The great news about re-watching it is that you realise, and this is a big fucking tip for you if you've never watched it before, it halves the time you've got to spend on this thing, you realise it's just bollocks. Like, it's just so proper bollocks, basically, it is, yeah? You get the gist of the character dynamics on the island. All of the backstory stuff, to a great extent, in season one is is, is superfluous. It's just like, you know, this fucking, you know, one guy's got a problem with his dad and the other guy's got a problem with someone else. And, you know, everyone's got a problem somewhere. But you find out roughly what's going on, roughly what's going on on the island. If you're interested, obviously, you don't need to fast forward those bits, you know, fast forward the um, the uh, the backstory bits. But then season two onwards, it actually is quite interesting in terms of the connections between what's happening on the island and the alternative stories. Let's just put it like that. Spoiler alert. Um, but, you know, it's good for me. I don't need to know that, you know, Jack feels indebted to his dad because his dad is the chief of surgeons at the hospital. I know all that, bollocks. And it's not that important. 
But what is important is the stuff that happens on the island. That's really good. This island is something weird about it. The tension uh, at the end of uh, the pilot, the, it's a two-episode uh, pilot, and episode two of the pilot is brilliant. Like, it's an absolute textbook scene in terms of how to construct suspense. It is absolutely brilliant. Knockout stuff. I'm not going to tell you what happens, because if you are going to watch it, then you're going to enjoy that without me shitting all over it first. And then we go on to, to work out that there is something odd about this island, and there is something odd about the... Like, it's not just coincidence, essentially, the reason why all of these people are here. There's this big dichotomy between John Locke who is a kind of survivalist type dude, not in terms of his politics, but in terms of his ability, more like a fucking um, Bear Grylls type, you know? Or that guy that drinks his own piss, what's his name? Uh, you know, that guy. <laughs> like, you know, he can kind of make glue from, you know, um, rendered animal fat from the animal that he's killed and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, that kind of shit. And then, so he's like a man of faith, okay? He believes in the power of the island and he's willing to kind of, you know, just go for it and have a, t take a leap of faith. The other guy is a man of science. Jack, the doctor, is a man of science who really is very uh, cynical towards anything that isn't, you know, uh, well, like anything, you know, paranormal or supernatural or in any way slightly odd, he just finds, like, he can't connect to it. He can't believe it at all. Um, whereas, you know, John is different uh, to that. And so there's this kind of, right from the very beginning, not right from the very beginning, but, you know, quite early on in the season, we see this difference. And that difference, you know, uh, starts to kind of become, come closer to the kind of centre of the pie uh, as we go on yeah that's clear good and so uh, you know a couple of things happen various people do various things and then we get to the uh, now, now there's, so there's a character called Walt and Walt is I think he's 10 years old and he's the only child uh, who's part of this group of survivors that we're like uh, airplane survivors that we're following yeah and Walt really likes it on the island. He's had a difficult life in terms of his dad wasn't in his life and he's, he never saw his dad. But then when his mum died, his dad turns up, basically, turns up and says, well, you've got to live with me now because your mum's dead, right? So they've got this very weird relationship. And you've watched the backstory of fucking Michael episodes, if you like, if you want more than that. But that's basically it, yeah? So this boy has got a kind of very tense relationship with the dad. The dad's very uncomfortable being a father, doesn't really know how to do it, which is, you know, understandable from the character's point of view, you know? And, um, you know, so Walt feels at home on the island. John Locke feels that the island is a very special place. Um, John, this is a big spoiler, but John Locke was in a wheelchair and he crashed on the island and he was able to uh, walk again. So he feels like the island is like literally healing them, yeah? And he really wants to stay on the island, okay? Now, um, uh, Walt's dad, Michael, builds a raft and the end of season one, 
there's a couple of things that are happening. Uh, Walt's dad is on a raft with another couple of people and Walt's and they're eager to get a boat, you know, kind of obviously to be saved because they've been on this island for like two months or something. And this boat comes along and it's very, it's brilliant scene. And at one point, this guy, you can't really, there's only a couple, it's a tiny little boat. It's like very small boat to be on an ocean. Yeah. It's like the kind of boat you'd see on a, in a pond, in a big park, in a city, you know, or like a, yeah, I mean, it's even smaller than very small boats. <laughs> I can't emphasize the fucking tininess of this boat. Yeah. Anyway, this boat comes along. There are people on it. And one of them says, we're going to have to take the boy. And that is properly chilling. And they kidnap the boy, Walt, and then they go. And they destroy the raft. They explode the fucking raft, right? And that is a proper chilling moment that I have just spoiled for you. Hooray. Now, meanwhile, um, uh, uh, what's his name? John has found a hatch. And he's dug up this hatch and he realizes that he wants to get in the hatch and it's very important to get in the hatch. Now, this is a hatch on an island that they thought, there's nobody here. Like, it's an abandoned island, right? But they uh, did find this, uh, this woman from France who has been living on the island for the last 16 years on her own. And um, she has essentially kind of gone mad, seemingly. And she's talking about how there was this thing came along uh, like this illness came along and she was forced to kill everyone in her research team. They were on a boat, they crashed onto this island and, uh, you know, she's, so they kind of think, well, what's going on with her? And that woman does talk about uh, this uh, group of people she calls the Others. She says the Others are on the island and there's a pregnant woman from Australia on the island and she gets uh, kidnapped by somebody that's infiltrated the group a character called Ethan, and Ethan nearly kills Charlie, Dominic Moynihan, the guy from The Hobbit, or whatever it's called. And then they find this hatch, they explode the hatch, and season one ends with, um, you know, the, what's, what's in the hatch. So there we go. Now, probably next week I'll talk about season two. There's a couple of rumbling, interesting things happening, including Hurley's relationship with the numbers. The numbers are a kind of reoccurring uh, theme in, in Lost, and they do come up again in Lost. But with the numbers, and also with Walt as well, and this idea of, like, why, do they, why are they interested in children, the people that took Walt, it's not as... Ex it's not... Um, uh, you know, given it, it doesn't reach its potential, basically those two things, which could have been really interesting, don't reach their potential. There's some area, there's some ideas that they uh, launch in season one that they really do uh, exploit. I think probably to their fullest potential. One of them happened in the pilot in the uh, in the uh, last episode, which is like a three episode finale which is very grand but the, in one of these three episode finales i think it's the end of episode oh no the start of episode three so the final episode in season one episode 25 i think it is um Locke is essentially kind of like taken 
by a monster that is made entirely of smoke. The smoke monster, the famous lock, uh, the famous lost smoke monster, makes his grand appearance uh, for all of us to see. And I do think that with the smoke monster and a couple of the other elements that are opened up in season one, they do make the most of it. The numbers and and Walt, um, not too sure about, especially Walt actually. I'm not too sure about, but we're beginning to see in season one, um, you know, the kind of uh, difficulties and the differences with the characters and um, Kate, Locke and uh, Kate Sawyer and Jack are kind of, um, you know, love triangle already. And, you know, that's so it's a bit dramery, you know what I mean? But within that, when I say drama, I mean, kind of soap opery within that. There is a, and for all its flaws like that, there is a kind of scene that I do like, 